Looking for sports content on the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Bills, and the Argos, as well as the Blue Jays and the Raptors during the NBA basketball season, the NFL, CFL football season, the blue, the baseball season in MLB, and the hockey season in the NHL, then you've come to the right place. Check out Sports for Beginners, the podcast, with me, Scott McGregor, where we talk about everything and anything in the world of sports media and around the teams, the Pittsburgh Penguins during hockey season, the Buffalo Bills and Toronto Argonauts during football season, the Toronto Blue Jays during baseball season, and the Raptors of Toronto, the Toronto Raptors during basketball season. We've got you covered every week. But if you've got any questions or feedback, please send us an email at sportsforbeginnerspodcast8231 at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook at https colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash sportsforbeginnerspodcast87. And to learn more about upcoming episodes and when they drop, please visit https colon slash slash sports for beginners number zero dot wordpress dot com once again that is https colon slash slash sports for beginners number zero dot wordpress dot com catch you later fans Hey hockey fans, with the hockey season now officially underway, it's about time for all that hockey content to return to its rightful place, and that's why this is our podcast specifically designed for hockey fans like you. So whether you're driving to work and need some help getting ready for your team before they drop the puck, or driving to the school to learn something new in life, Make on the ice and behind the benches a part of your daily routine on Tuesdays and join me as your host on the podcast as we dive deeper into all hockey conversations with experts who know the game, former hockey players, coaches, and of course, everyone's first enemy, the referees. So get ready for exclusive fantastic, entertaining, fun hockey content on this podcast, and join me, your host, Thomas McGregor, but co-host of the Sports for Beginners podcast, as we take this journey together on everything and anything in the hockey world. On the Ice and Behind the Benches is the neighboring podcast to a Sports for Beginners podcast. That airs episodes every Thursdays, but for us, we air episodes every Tuesdays. And for more information, please visit the Facebook page of our neighboring podcast, the Sports for Beginners podcast Facebook page to be exact. I'm so excited to begin this journey with you, and I hope you hockey fans, old, new, fan or no fan, are ready to join me on this journey as well. That's on the ice and behind the benches with your host, Thomas McGregor, myself, every Tuesdays on all of your favorite podcasting platforms, including Spotify. And if you want early access to early episodes of the podcast upload, you can visit anchor.fm as soon as the episode has already been uploaded onto your favorite podcasting platform. Should there be any delays to its launch, that's anchor.fm for early access on On the Ice and Behind the Benches episodes before they hit your platform. We are currently available on Spotify and air episodes every Tuesday. We've got post and reaction content now, but I am excited to join the 
have you join me on this journey. So don't miss it. And remember, on this podcast, nobody gets icing. Welcome to All Over the Map. On the day of this recording, it is Monday, March the 13th, 2023. Uh, On the day of this recording, and um, it is actually evening as we record this, but uh, anytime you're listening, whether it's evening, morning, or night, we always appreciate you checking us out here on All Over the Map. My name is Ali Musa, your host, and it is a pleasure to bring you back into the studio. And we have a great show lined up for you this week. Joining me in the studio today is Nick Rawlings. Hi there, folks. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. Hello, uh, Allie. It's great to be part of this. Um, I'm looking very much forward to this. All right. There we go. And uh, Nick is a um, former staff member at the W. Ross McDonald School for the Blind. Nick, I would like to take this opportunity to uh, welcome you to the studio, and thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. I really appreciate your time. Oh, it's great to be here, Ali. um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. I've been looking forward to having you in since um, when you had uh, um, reached out to me uh, on uh, on on and on something I had posted on the episode with uh, Rick Zambram, who a friend of the show. Um, you know, I, I said had reached out to me and said that you'd be happy to come in. I said, you know, what, let, let's uh, take this as an opportunity to have you in the studio. Yeah, well, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you. I'm glad you invited me. Absolutely, my pleasure. And. I'd like to start by uh, tell tell us a little bit uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, growing up or anything you feel comfortable with sharing. Okay. Um, well, I, um, as you mentioned, I worked at the W. Ross McDonough School. I'm recently retired. I retired last June. I had I you know come on um, about thirty five years. I worked thirty five years at the W. Ross McDonough School, and a lot of great memories. Um, done a lot of uh, sporting things and of course this is why we're here um how did i get started at the w ross mcdonald school well um i'll try to make a long story very short um i was uh, long, actually long stories are welcome here oh okay well it, it was 1976 i was um i was at herman Fawcett, uh, a school in brantford and the coach, the cross-country coach, Phil Hatcher at the time said, Nick, I hear that you like to do cross-country running. And I said, well, I've never done it. I've done track. And he says, look, show up tomorrow. I need you on the cross-country team. Well, from that, um, and Phil Hatcher knew John Howe. John Howe always needed guide runners to help with cross-country so, or with track. So I kind of got an introduction to W. Ross School in the very late 70s. And I sort of did a bit of running with um, John Howe before I worked there. And in a roundabout way, that's how I started ending up working at the school uh, is through helping with, you know, track or guiding and stuff like that. I helped um, our former gym teacher, our former vice principal, John Howe, um, um, to, to get into cross country. And then since then, that was probably around 84, 85, uh, or okay, around that time I started to work at the school. And uh, ever since, uh, up to a few years ago, when my legs gave way, sorry, uh, when my legs gave way on me, I was doing cross country and track with the students, plus, you know, a few other sporting things. So that's probably it in a nutshell. So it seems then that you had that, that you, um, so it kind of feels like just listening to that, that you, um, that you always had that enthusiasm for say running and cross country running. Yeah. And, st- and so, and when this opportunity came, you, you um, basically just, just took it. You were unsure at the beginning, but you took it and you just went with it. Yes. Well, you know, it's, it's odd that Phil Hatcher, my coach, came across to me. I remember walking home and he stopped me while I was crossing over the the backfield of Herman Fawcett. 
And he said, look, I want you to be part of the team. And if he didn't say that, I don't know if I would have joined the, the track team. I, I did track in public school. And because of that, I was introduced to people like John Howe. Then I was introduced to, um, then I got a job, um, Mr. Bethune, who was the principal at the time. And then I was introduced to Ontario Blind Sports, which has been a very big part of uh, blind sports for uh, well, blind athletes in Ontario. And, you know, it seemed that that one little thing opened up a whole bunch of different things. And I think most people will, will tell you that, but it's not just one big thing. It's a bunch of little small things that kind of sent them in, in a direction that um, somehow or for some reason, you know, it all seemed to work out. And um, now um, I, I don't know if many of your listeners at the Doug Ross school, we had, I did cross country there for a good 33 years. Um, every, come on, Nick, uh, every September to October, we would run against the other high schools. We went to Kwasa, um, running up and down the hills through, you know, lake, snow, whatever. And unfortunately, that's my phone, but I'll have my wife pick that up. And, you know, uh, and every year at the end of the season, we all went, we went to Kwasa. Uh, and then we ended up going to Mr. Howe, or sorry, John Howe's cottage, ending up swimming in the lake in what lake? Well, it would be Lake Huron in late October. Always a very cold swim. And um, that was one of the big sporting activities at, um, at the school. And of course, there's many, you know, as you know, Ali, there's many sporting activities um, with, with goal ball or, or we have um, beeper ball. Um, Oh, come on, uh, we had you know floor hockey, and I don't I don't know if you know this now, Allie. Um, at the school, um, there's a blind hockey. Um, there's a Canadian blind hockey. Which I do you remember a man named Sean Dale? Yes, a friend of the show, actually. Oh, was he? Oh, well, he's he he has organized blind hockey with the Canadian Blind Hockey Association, and uh. The students finished their last hockey practice last week, actually, um, up at the Paris Arena. Usually it's at the Gretzky Arena. So um, they, they, he's got students involved now in blind hockey. Um, so he's been, a, and he actually has played um, blind hockey. Now, of course, I don't play, I can't skate that well, so I've never played blind hockey, but uh, it's very much like, um, hockey that you see on TV. The only thing is the puck uh, is big and um, it, it has a rattler inside it and so you can hear it. So it makes it obviously easier for people to, to know where the puck is. Um, yeah. Um, I, that, you know, um, yeah, I'm just you know, trying to think. Of course, I did track and field and of course we you know, um, I did track for a number of years and, you know, people like, I don't know if you remember Jason Dunkerley. Do you remember Jason Dunkerley? Oh, um, yes. The name. Yes. I didn't know him that well, but yes. Yeah. He, you know, I, I ran with him. Um, he got to the point though, he was running faster than me. And so he ended up getting younger and faster guide runners. And he ended up going to a number of Paralympics. He went, uh, he went to about four or five Paralympics um, from, you know, Sydney in 2000 to, to most of them all the way up to a, a few years ago. And he's won medals for, for Canada. Um, he is now, okay, he's now in Ottawa. Um, I think he's, uh, I, I, I know he's, he, he has a, a small radio show and he's working for, uh, I believe for the federal government. I'm not 100% sure on that. So don't, <laughs> don't quote me on that. But yeah, um, is there anything like, anything else you want to like discuss about the sports at the school? Um, okay, so it, so it seems here that, yeah, so you had a great uh, time there helping out with, um, mm -hmm. with, with cross country and, and uh, stuff. So tell me a little bit about like, your um experience with it as you got oh. 
going with it. Okay, what, well. what, 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 what were you, um, what, what came about? Like, what did you, um, either learn from the experience or what is it? What, or even start with what is cross country, please? Oh, okay. Well, for your listeners, uh, cross country is like most high schools in Ontario during the, you know, September, October, you run, you know, different distance. There's different distance for girls and boys. You know, there's the um, um, midget junior senior girls and midget junior senior boys um, races at, at different, you know, if the older you get, the further you have to run. So you could be running, mostly you're running on fields, sometimes golf courses, sometimes out on um, conservation parks where they have paths and lanes for you to run and for the somebody who's blind they would either we would either hold on to their elbows or we would use a, a small tether or rope so they can hold on to so obviously they won't get lost and we would run with them um you know in some cases it would it could be wet and cold you're running at a muddy hill and running down a muddy hill there's been a few times where we had to run over uh, small rivers or streams um you know it's very challenging uh, a lot of our students of course with most of our students we know we're not going to win we're there to obviously to compete but also to finish with a lot of our students just finishing the course and i would have i would have said this to anybody if somebody put a blindfold on me and say okay nick you're going to go running through hills and tree roots and stuff like that. I don't think I could do it. As a guide runner, I could do it. But if somebody put a blindfold on me and says, okay, we're gonna go running through the forest, I would be going, perhaps not. In fact, I know I would probably say, I wouldn't be able to do it. I have to be honest with myself, I wouldn't be able to do it. But we had a lot of kids, hundreds of kids over the years who managed to do it. And my hat's off to them. Now you make an interesting point there, and I, I think we should mention here that um, that um, that you are cited. We should oh, make yes. a, we should mention <laughs> that here, and yes. also, um, so like so, what then go like what what goes through your mind though? Like you oh, worked for the you worked with the blind with yeah. students who are blind and are low vision in some cases. Mm-hmm. What go like when you used to watch them run? What would always go go through your mind, or even, or even guide run? Okay, well, definitely when I'm guide running, at the beginning, you know, I was always my mind was okay, get the student ready, or sorry, the athlete ready, get encourage them, and you know, be in shape so I can run with them. Near the end, I got to the point where I was running with students who were much faster with me, and so my mindset was a bit different. It was a case of Okay, Nick, can you hold on? Make sure you don't let go of this guy. Um, hopefully he doesn't run you into the ground. Uh, near the end, I had, you know, I was pushing 50 and I was running with kids who were 17, 18, who were, got to the point where some of them, not all of them, were really, I got to the point where, oh, oh I can't keep up anymore. Um, what goes from my mind, I, it's like when I was running on my own, I said, okay, we got to get through this. We got to do this. Um, I'm always kind of watching out for low branches, high branches, any ruts. You know, I, I see water coming up or I see a stream or you know, in some cases it might be a bit rocky. I say, okay, guys, we need to slow down because we're going through some rocks here. Um, you don't want any twisted ankles or anything like that. And surprisingly, we had very few. I don't think we've had any major cross-country accidents with you know broken ankles or anything um the odd time we we've slipped or fallen down and of course that's when i'll say you know we need to get up we need to get going sort of thing but uh over the over the 30 or plus years i don't remember any major accidents which is is saying a lot for the people who are guiding because yeah it can be tricky you you're in a lineup you're on a, a field particularly at kwasa and you're in the senior boys race, and there could be up to two or three hundred runners running. 
aiming for a path that could only fit maybe five or six runners um, a breath sort of uh, um, sideways sort of thing. It can get very, very crowded very, very quickly. So, um, and then I'm thinking, okay, the safety of the runner, and of course my safety, I, you know, how do I pass this guy or hopefully we don't get knocked over. Um, but like I mentioned before, I, in all the years I've cross country guided, we have had not a major accident. A few scuffs, a, f- a few scuffles, a few you know kids have fallen down and banged their knees, but uh, which is to be expected. Yeah, and it it seems so that it would that it would feel very rewarding to you as it, yeah, a it guide was. runner. You know, I I enjoyed it. It, it was. Um, part of me wish I still can do it. Um, uh, my knees are not as um, I have arthritis in my knees now. It's just something that's happened. Uh, um, I, I still can walk and I can ride a bike and I can do a maybe a light jog for maybe fifty or sixty meters before they start to um, be in pain. But at the time, I, uh, it was rewarding. I've always felt kind of, you know, inwardly proud of myself to be able to do this and give um, other young athletes an opportunity to do something that I enjoy. Um, but, um, um, of course, in my last few years at the school, oh, mind you, we had the pandemic and all that stuff was canceled. Uh, but I knew it got to the point where at the end of the runs, I, I was, my knees were starting to feel the pain and I thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. But you know, that's life, you know, um, it is. And I mean, yeah, you had yeah. a great, like you had a great career though, at at Ross, and I mean, you mentioned there that you um, retired. But what what has been like? Take take us back to your career there at Ross, <clears throat> and what happened during that. Just take us through that, please. Oh, well, you know, on the non-sporting side, I was an educational assistant. I worked in, in numerous different programs at the school, anywhere from the gym program to the special needs program. Some in the elementary section in the academic program. Um, I helped in woodworking shop. Um, a little bit in life skills. Um, always assisting um, you know, the different teachers, uh, depending on what was needed academically or life skills. Um, I personally enjoyed it. It had its challenging moments. Um, you know, yeah, and getting the students ready. Of course, uh, at the school, we have a pool and a lot of kids um, did a lot of swimming competitions or they did a lot of swimming during the day. Uh, you know, change room duties is always, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, getting the kids ready for gym and, and or swim. Um, we, you know, taking the kids out. Um, I was very fortunate to do the canoe trip in, in June a few times and the winter camp. I have to ask you, Natalie, did you ever do winter camp? Yes. In my seven in, 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 in my grade seven and eight year. Yes, I did do winter camp. Uh, I, I don't think I don't. What, did I go up there with you? I'm not sure if I did. No, not with me. And um, when I went, it would have been back in 2000 and it would have been the 2004 2005 oh, year yeah okay I, don't, I didn't go back at that time i went later later um uh a number of years later but you know winter camp you know we did cross as you know cross-country skiing uh snowshoeing rope climbing um we played room hockey or uh, on the ice and that was always um interesting let's put it that way it's slipping and sliding um Canoe trip in June, you know, portaging, um, camping out, um, canoeing across lakes, going for three or four days. And that was, I was very fortunate to be able to do that. I mentioned before that at the end of the cross-country season, we all went to John Howe's cottage. We all slept on the floor or in bunks. And we all went for the swim in the evening, and a cold, a cold day, dip in Lake Huron. And sometimes having a, 
a fire, well, always a fire in Mr. Howe's cottage or sometimes on the beach. Um, we were very fortunate to do things like that. Um, in later years, I sort of helped, uh, we, we had a cycling club in the last number of years. Uh, I don't know if you know this, we have a bunch of tandems at the school now and we do tandem riding through the trail system in Brantford. And every year for the last number of years, we've either gone to Cambridge and or out to um, Dundas Valley, which either way it's uh, from Brantford is about a 30, 40 kilometer ride. And the kids, the students would um, stay in these um, cabins and uh, out in the Dundas Valley. And of course, stay there for um, one or two days. And then we all cycled back. And um, so a round trip of maybe 60 to 80 kilometers. Uh, and we even now have competitive, we had a few competitive um, tandem bikers who went to, I don't know if you know anything about the velodrome in Milton. Do you know anything about that, Ali? No, no. Well, the velodrome is a, was designed for the Pan Am Games. It's an Olympic size bike track, racing track. And it has the steep, I don't know if your uh, listeners would know this, they have these very steep corners. Um, basically, uh, it, it, you would have very difficulty, difficult walking up it because they're so steep. And you have to get up, uh, to go around it, you need to get up to about a minimum speed, a, minim, a minimum speed of about 22 or 23 kilometers an hour. And, and the bike's there. Um, there's two seater tandems, but um, we've taken our students there and they have staff there to do it because you have to be trained on this track. And these bicycles, now these tandems on that track have no brakes. You can't brake on those uh, bikes. Um, so you get the kids right, oh, sorry, I should say athletes or young students riding around and they would um, ride around there doing speed work or whatever. And um, when it comes time to stop, they have to glide for maybe two to three laps before they can actually come to a stop. And we've had students do some competitive tandem biking now with um, Canadian tandem. I guess, sorry, the Canadian tandem, the Canadian Paralympic Tandem Association, I think they're called. So yeah, so you know, I I was a little bit fortunate to do be part of that too. Yeah, and you know, and it seems like you've always, and you know what, and and I like that too. Like you've always had that of of staying active and being involved in different things as you were able to be. And by the way, for for uh, by the way, for listeners of all over the map, I have known Nick for many years, and Nick, <laughs> Nick and I have known each other for many years. Um, and uh, yeah, if you wanna, if you wanna, do you wanna go ahead and feel free if you wanna share anything on that, Nick? Go ahead. Oh yeah, well you know. Um... To your listeners, I remember Ali Musa, and it's how I met my wife because Ali Musa was in Miss Bailey's class. And Mr. Bethune, the principal at the time, said, Nick, can you go and get Ali Musa from childcare? Because at that time, you went to childcare. You went from Miss Bailey's class to childcare, and I would go downstairs at the school. Now, childcare is no longer there, they don't have it anymore. And I would go down there and, you know, pick you up and take you to the bus hall where Miss Bailey, who eventually became Mrs. Rawlings, who became my wife, uh, would meet me at the bus hall. And I don't know if you can remember this, Allie, but sometimes I would go to childcare and it was a bit of a distant walk to get from childcare to the bus hall. And you'd have to know the school, you know, there's a long hallways. So many a times I would put you on my shoulders and we walked up the stairs, down the hallway, uh, right into the bus hall and uh, to meet Miss um, Bailey at the time. Uh, well, any other stories I can remember of you? I remember once vividly, vividly you wanted to go outside and you put these boots on and I was looking at you and I said, oh, Ali, how do those, uh, how do those boots feel? Now, you were about five years old and you had maybe a size two foot. Apparently, you put my boots on. And they came up to your waist, just about. And of course, I, I had a size 10 feet. So I said, can you walk in those? And I think you had, I think you started to realize very quickly that those were the wrong boots. Somehow you put my boots on 
and you're going to head out the door and um uh they basically covered most of your lower <laughs> they look like hip leaders on you like fishermen wore Wow, no, I actually—it's funny. I don't. I actually don't. I I don't remember those stories. I do. I do remember the. I do remember the uh, the Lynn story a little bit because. Uh, but yes, well, that's but, how Mrs. Rollins and I connected was through you. You know, I, I would come down and pick you up and bring you down to her. At the oh, is that house. right? Yeah, that's how we met. So, so basically, it was just from those short, like um, those short little. Um, uh, uh, like those short little, um, those short little trips, basically. Well, for you, those trips were a very long trip, but for me, I guess they were short. Yeah, I, I do remember meeting Miss Bailey there, and that's how we kind of talked and we chit chatted. And then, as they say, the rest is history. We ended up getting married probably a few years later. Uh, that was we, uh, okay, I better watch myself. We got married in 1997, yes. And you were in her class 90, oh, 95, 94, 95, or something like that. I can't exactly, you know. Yeah, no, it was around. Actually, it was funny because, no, um, it, was, it, was, it was funny because uh, I was 94, 95. And then, mm-hmm. and then I believe then um, I took a trip. I believe I was, then I was back there. Um, uh, 97, 98, 98, 99. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 looking back, everything seems to blur. You know, um, I've talked to students very much like you, and I'll say, oh, it's been a few years, you know. When did you last leave? And they'll say, oh, it, it's been 1998. I'm thinking, don't tell me it's been 20 years or 25 years or 10 years or whatever it is, but um, yeah, it, it, all of a sudden, all the years seem to, um, you know, come together. They, they all seem to be just one big blur sort of thing. Um, I was going to ask you, Ellie, did you ever play goalball? Uh, at the, school? At, the mean, sc- at the school, I did a little bit. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did in, a little in, bit. In yeah, yeah, just in gym class. Yeah. Did you ever like playing it? You know something? I honestly did not mind it. Um, well, it was interesting because well, I'll I'll tell you I'll I'll tell you a really uh, honest story too, is sure. that back in those days, um, um, and remember this is our show, so we can you know we're we're able to we have some we have flexibility as to how we do it. Sure. Um, so um, what happened was was that um, at that time. I didn't really realize at that time all the critical things that were were being offered there. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, in fact, I, I you know what I even remember this, and I sometimes even look back at it. Um, uh, that I remember one time on a couple of occasions, you and I had this conversation. Oh, and go ahead. No, no, uh, I'm, 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 I'm just thinking. Um, that, no, um, and, and you said to me that um, that I would be a, you'd like to me, oh, quote, uh, you'd be a good, uh, you'd be a good res student, quote. Yes, I, well, to your listeners, the W. Ross McDonald School has residents. The students do live there for a week. At one time, they used to live there for six, seven weeks, not all of them, but some of them did. And many, way before my time, they would live there and go home twice a year, once at Christmas and then again during the summertime. That's long before my time. I, I came after that. Yeah, I always been a big supporter of residents. Uh, actually, it's not called residents anymore, Allie. You know what they're called? We call them lodgings. What is- we Pardon, call them ahead. lodgings. Yeah, we call them lodgings. Lodging. Them, yes. We call them lodgings now. So you are now a, a lodging student. No, no longer a resident student, a lodging student. And of course, the residents, I'm oh, sorry, come on, uh, the, the lodgings. We have new um, lodgings now, uh, new buildings. Um, I don't know if you've ever been in them. 
but um, I think they're much improved over the ones that we had before when you were there. Um, excuse me, um, the Neil residence, the new Neil residence opened up in 2004. And in the last maybe, oh, come on, six, seven years that we had the new residence built for the senior side, which is called, it's called Wilkes Hall now. And Brant Place, which is no longer, Brant Place is now closed off. We don't use Brant Place anymore. Um, it's just closed off. And the last time I went into Brant Place was a few years ago. I, I was looking for something. I had to find something. And it, it's all locked up. And the only thing I found in there was, was dead bats. I remember walking around and there was a bunch of dead bats in that in that old residence. But uh, yeah, resident, you know, residence life. Um, I always encouraged it. Um, did you ever stay in residence or sorry, in lodgings, even for a day or two? Yes, actually, what happened was, is that um, back in the uh, 2008 2009 year was the first year of then I said that you know, was the, you know, there was a, like, I wanted to actually um, in the 2007, 2008 year, I remember I mm -hmm. wanted to, uh, I wanted to try it out. So oh, then good. I didn't know that. I yeah. Know that. Yeah, no. So in January, no. And then in January, 2009, mm -hmm. um, uh, I was given the opportunity once a week just to spend some time there, just to spend one night a week there. Yeah. And did you enjoy it? Um, you know what? At the time, I don't know if I'd say, I don't know if I would say that I um, enjoyed it. But if I look back at it, yeah, I would say, I will say yes. It was interesting when you look back at something. Um, that's, a, that's, a very, that's a very fair answer. Um, I, I, I've known students they resisted going to lodgings. Um, I have to say lodgings now. Um, and because I don't know what image they have of it, but then I've known students who have gone into lodgings and they prefer to be in lodgings. You know, they like going home during the weekends. Now, most students now, listeners, go home every single weekend. They, they either take the bus home or if they live far enough, like Ottawa or up near on Timmins or Thunder Bay or Hudson Bay, they'll fly up and uh, they will fly in. Now they fly into Brantford and then they'll fly out of Brantford Friday afternoons uh, with uh, escorts or guides. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people have said, you know, they love, they enjoyed the residence life or sorry, lodgings life. Um, you know, people say, well, what do, you know, what did you do in lodgings, Allie? Do you remember? Uh, okay, like in terms of, um, of oh, activities or any activities, any, um, uh, I know a lot of students, you know, that we had school dances, there's always some sort of sporting activity, whether it was. Um, yes, initially, now here's the thing, now back in the 2000, now actually I, st I had a chance to do a couple of trips in there, the, mm -hmm. the January 2009, mm -hmm. and then in um then in the 2009-2010 year mm -hmm. i stayed there because i wanted to i stayed there on wednesday nights because i wanted to participate in senior choir at the time yes uh, yeah it was mr boyd right oh man yes he he's he he's now retired that's he retired right same year that i did uh he retired last june and yes yes well yes um there's uh, to your listeners there's choir we have students playing different instruments whether it's the piano the organ or the drums or the guitar or hey you know i think some of the kids taking up the flute and our trumpet um swimming there's always an evening swimming or rollerblading in the gym um what else um and of course many students would take off go out uh, on the bus going to wherever they you know they, they might want to go to, to a wendy's to eat or to uh, uh east side mario's that seemed to be a big one and going out to the movies some of them would take off to the movies um 
when they, you know, when they had their, um, as they were able to, to um, orientation mobility on their own, or they could go with people who could help them with it, you know, with their classmates. Um, yeah, there was all sorts of, you know, I encourage any student, even though I didn't work in lodgings, uh, I worked there in the mornings, never in the evenings, but I always encourage it, you know, it's, there's a lot of activities to be done. Um, or you want to sit and watch TV. Uh, a, a lot of kids would be watching Hockey Night in Canada or the Blue Jays on TV or some favorite show. And of course now they have a lot of um, video games or um, on the internet. Of course, that's a, of course that's something that's a big change at the school too. I mean, with any school. I, I, when I first went to the school alley, there was no such thing as the internet. There was no such thing as a computer. Um, no such thing as a cell phone. And of course, that's all changed now. Um, in fact, I don't know, you would probably not be a part of this, um, the Ham Radio Club. Have you ever been part of the Ham Radio Club? No, uh, I don't think it was running during that time. But yeah, no. I, I do remember there was a lot of talk about that. Yes. When I first started, Ham Radio, and to your listeners, Ham Radio is uh, 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 the students would get their licenses to operate a ham radio. And that was a big thing with the students back when I first started. And they were able to communicate with people across Ontario, across the States. And we had a huge ham radio in one in, uh, in Brant Place, which is now closed, and one in Senior. And they would contact, try to contact different people around the world. It's radio. And you needed a license. Now, a lot of people will say, oh, it's CB radio, citizen band radio. No, this was bigger than that. Um, they would have people coming in and teach your kids how to operate a ham radio. And a lot of the students would get these small ham radios that you could carry around. And this is before cell phones. You got to remember, this is way before cell phones. And that was like, that was something big for the students. And at that time, I think you had to learn Morse code, you know, dot, dot, dash, dash, dot, dot. Um, but I don't think you have to know Morse code anymore. Now, of course, unfortunately, not too many people. I don't think we, we, have, we haven't had a ham radio club for about 20 years, if longer, which is a bit unfortunate. Now, you mentioned the technology back there. Um, mm -hmm. the the cell phones, of course, and the computers. And now, do you now? Of course, you know. I, I, I you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to date. I'm not trying to date you or anything. Like, make, uh, like I'm not trying to. I was born in 1962, so no, there you I, go. No, no, no. I'm not trying to make you sound. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I never. I never want to make someone sound old, right? Oh, well, well, but what, I. But what I want to. Yeah, go ahead. No, but what I want to ask you, though, like, do you and Lynn find yourselves like embracing the technology now? Like, do you oh, do you another... have like do you have an iPhone or an Android or something? Well, I do have a cell phone. Uh, my wife is much more tech savvy than, than I am. She, of course, at school had to be because things were going into the computer age, and she was. Uh, much more adaptable to it than I was. Uh, I first kind of thought, you know, this is a fan, you know. Hey, give an example, like, yeah, do you, want, do you want to share a little bit more into that? You mentioned sure. she was a little bit more adapting into well, that. She, she, she had to be because of her job. Um, things were starting to go online and you had to write the reports and send it through email. And when I first started, when I, when email came to the school, um, probably in the early 90s, um, all staff had email. I didn't have a computer. I didn't know what email was. Whereas Lynn had a computer in her classroom and she would do email. And somebody would say, oh, no, Nick, I sent you an email. I said, well, I don't have email. I said, well, Nick, you do have email. But we, we as you know, EAs, we didn't have a computer. And there was no such thing as laptops back then. There were the big boxy computers. 
And so in a way it was kind of pointless because we just didn't have computers. Um, I remember when the first computer came into the school, it was an administration and that was big news. And I jokingly say this to the students today. I said, when that computer came in, only certain people were allowed to use it, certain administrators. And of course, I wasn't one of those people. And then of course, then it became a, a computer in each section of the school. And then we, big news, every class got a computer, got one computer. And then each class got two or three. And of course, now of course, um, we have that computer lab upstairs in the library, but most kids bring in their own laptops or like you said, Allie, their iPhones is what they use now. Um, um, I, got, I got a phone probably about a number of years after they came out and I was kind of, you know, I don't need this phone, I don't need this phone, but you know something? When I was working the last five years at school, my boss, um, who's younger than I am, um, Mrs. Moore, and of course, Mr. McJackal, they would text me. And I don't think I could do my job without my phone now because during the day, they'll, my boss will text me, you know, Nick, I need to see you about something. Or Nick, can you go into the change room to help it? Or um, Nick, uh, a certain student won't be on the bus today or is going home with mom and dad today. And all the younger EAs have phones. And um, so, you know, I, in a way I was kind of forced to start using this technology. I'm still behind the eight ball. Um, the, you know, I, I know how to use the cell phone. I know how to use, we have, I'm using an iPad right now. Um, but the technology has made life much easier for the students in many cases. Um, but I do remember what happened last year. The, uh, the Rogers line. outage. The Rogers outage. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The Rogers outage. And, and it's yeah. funny because um, and and I, I'm 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 don't mind sharing. Do you remember this morning uh, when I sent you that note, mm -hmm. right? To when we to confirm this. Yes. That um, can you and and I provided you with my contact information. Oh, yes. I, I'm sorry. I should have given you my cell number. I did see that. I'm sorry. I no, and, and, and do, 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 not like do you that. see. Yeah, if you can do that, just just feel free to send it to just. Yeah. But, but do you see why I did that? Yes, I think I do. Because if because and I'll, and I'll share it here that if that Rogers outage mm -hmm. was a prime example that we need to have a backup way of say of or if the internet went out or oh, well, or the power went out or something well you know something this is what happened at our school the computers went out and like all there has time, to be another way to contact well, like you know a you way know, to contact well there is but what i said to the students when the computers went out you know they're all now some of the students need the computers it makes it easier for them to listen to the stuff or to read it because of the large print it makes it life easier in, in some cases, but we had a problem with all of a sudden, nobody could do anything. The teachers, the young teachers couldn't do anything. The students can't do anything. No, I can't write my report now, um, Mr. Rollins, because my computer's out. I said, well, when I first started, you know, if you had some site, you used a typewriter. If you were blind, you were a braille user and you start brailing. And all of a sudden they're going, well, I said, well, let's get the railers out. Let's get the old typewriters out. But, or, and, and some of the students can use pen and paper or pencil and paper. They have enough site to do that. But that was all foreign to them. All of a sudden, they were going, are you kidding? You want us to do that? Um, and I said, well, you know, before all this came out, we didn't have to worry about an outage. You, you could still braille. You could still type. You could still um, read. If you had to do research, um, the students would go upstairs to the library and talk to the library. I need to do a, a project on, on about Mars. Do you have any, they would have books or audio tapes. I don't know if you but remember see, that's, audio. That, but that's just so foreign now though. <laughs> I know it's so boring. Oh, it's so foreign. Oh yes, it is. 
No, and like it's it's a foreign it's a foreign concept, right? Well, but it, it, it is, and that's just me being the old guy going, "Uh oh, yeah, that's all right." No, no, but this right, is, no, this but... is what we used to do. And I know, look, I know things have changed, and the computers here to stay. Um, and it's mentioned that you talk about computers. I tell you, um, we have a, uh, the students in, I don't know if you remember Mr. Kolasar. He's an outdoor ed teacher. He works upstairs. We go down into the, I call it the dungeon. And people, it's not a dungeon. We don't have dungeons at W. Ross McDonald School. It's in the basement. And it's in this huge storage area. And we have taken hundreds of old computer parts we have taken hundreds of do you remember the braille and speak alley oh, i i personally never used one but i do remember it we got some of these things that are as uh, are you know two feet they're two feet wide and two feet high sort of thing we take the all these old computers that we've got from the 80s 90s all the way up to 2000s and we take them apart because they're obsolete. We take the computer chips out and we take it to the scrapyard and we make money out of it. We um, take all these, we had hundreds and hundreds of all these old computers that one time were, were, were state-of-the-art technology. Now we're, we, we go downstairs and we, um, the, the students tear them apart and we take them to the recycling. And we have made... I think the last time I went to the recycling with Mr. Colasar, we made something like 800 bucks taking these computer parts to them. Um, it just shows you um, what technology has done for the school, and not just for our students, but for any student, whether you're yeah. sighted or blind, or you have CP, or if you're in a wheelchair or whatever. Sure, yeah. Oh, absolutely, right. And, but, and it's, but like any computer stuff, like you said, Roger's outage. And all of a sudden, we can't watch TV. We can't yeah. get on the phone. We can't email. And, you know, well, you, know, you got to get a pen pen and pen, paper and write a letter, put it in an envelope, go down the mailbox. and. But see, the thing here is, yeah, <laughs> but, but see, the thing becomes, though, right, that, yeah. see, I mean, I can't do, like, you see, I can't do my job without the No, internet, well, right? you're He's right. Like, I mean, like, see, this, the, go ahead. I was going to say, if somebody said in 19, when you first came to school, that you could have your own technically radio show from your from your own house, that I would be interviewed by a former by a former student. This is 1992 or 95, let's say this is going to happen. I would say, no, you know, all the all the bells and whistles you would need for a radio studio, that's going to cost way too much money. But here we are. 30 odd years later, I'm on an iPad and I am talking to you, plus who's ever out there listening. Um, that would be a foreign concept when I first started at W. Ross. It was a foreign concept when you were at the school. If somebody said, you know, no, Ali's going to have his own, um, what was it called? Um, I, what was it called? A broadcast. Um, a podcast, for sure. Yeah, podcast. Sorry. I lost the, 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 the terminology and he will be able to go interview anybody he wants back in the early nineties or mid nineties. I'd be going, oh, you're talking rubbish. That's, you know, don't be ridiculous. But of course, here we are. And um, again, um, I don't know. Do you know Mr. Zinger? Yes. Is he still there? He's still there. He a few more years. He's a wrestling coach. Actually, have you, you should perhaps interview Mr. Zinger. You know why? Oh, he, oh yeah. No, no, I'm good. I'm going. Oh yeah. No, no. He, he, I, I'd like to, I've, I've been thinking about yeah. that this morning. Go ahead. Well, guess he refed at the last Olympics in Tokyo. He was a referee for wrestling and he was a referee with the Canadian delegation and he refereed, um, wrestling matches he even wrestled he even re refereed the gold medal matches and that's a very high honor to have he, he's he's an internationally rank class referee and <coughs> oh, excuse me sorry um and they only take one or two 
from each country. So he's one of the top wrestling referees in the country, if not in the world. Well, you know, um, uh, we, uh, did you ever wrestle in, uh, at uh, W. Ross? Uh, no, I was not a wrestler. No, because no, I, I, I helped out and I became a wrestling dummy for my first few years. I couldn't wrestle, wrestle my way out of a wet paper bag. And for the people who are listening, we do have a great wrestling program with Mr. John Howe and his daughter, who's now um, Jeanette Howe, who's now teaching at the school, who's a wrestler. And of course, Mr. Ed Zinger. We have wrestlers. They wrestle against sighted opponents. They have gone to Poisson. They've gone to Offsa. Some of them have meddled, have made it to Offsa and have meddled there. Um, it's very much wrestling, sighted versus blind. It's all the same except for one rule. And the only rule is that you always have to main, maintain contact. You can't lose contact. Um, you just can't let go of your opponent and then start running around in circles. Uh, the only rule is you have to always have a part of the body touching, whether it's a hand or whatever. So, but um, yeah. <coughs> Sorry, we kind of got off track about technology. You just got into wrestling. No, there. no, that's okay. No, that's what we do on. That's what the, that's what the show is about. That's what we do yeah. here on this show. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you should um, maybe interview Mr. Zinger and he can talk to you about his experience being an official at the um, t- And he's a sports fan, too. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. unfortunately, you know, Mr. Zinger does have one handicap. He is a Montreal Canadian fan. Well, he, that's one ha- handicap he has against him. <laughs> so do you want to tell me here before, as we as we wrap up the show here, sure. what are your, like, um, um, the Leafs made those trades. They um, they acquired Ryan O'Reilly. Yes. They, um, you know, and, and um, they, um, um I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of the, of the Gustafson deal though. I wasn't big. Fa- I, 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 I was, I was, a, I was a Sandine fan. Um, I mean, yeah. Kerfoot's, Kerfoot's still there. Um, yeah, but you know, what, what do you, what do you think this is? Are they, do you think, um, do, do you uh, feel that, um, that uh, Kyle Dubas is, I mean, of course he doesn't even have a, he doesn't have, I mean, he doesn't even have a, this is a, he's a free agent at the end of this year. He's not, yeah. he doesn't have a yeah. contract for next year. So do you think this is a thing that he's just, he, he made because this is the first time he's ever done something. Well, like, I, this is the aspect of sports where I'm sort of vague on when it comes to free agency and, and trades. No, but, no, um, no, but what do you think of the deal though? Like, what do you, what do you think of them making these? Are, do you think the Leafs are about to, do you think they wanted to make a push for it? Well, I'm, you know, I mentioned before the show, before we came onto the air, I became a Leaf fan in 1968, the year after they won the Stanley Cup, the last Stanley Cup. So maybe I am the curse. Maybe the reason they haven't won the Stanley Cup is because Nick Rollins became a fan in 1968 because um, I was about five or six year, years old. I thought, oh, you know, the Maple Leafs are Stanley Cup champions. I'm going to be a Maple Leaf fan because they are champions. Of course, here we are, 2023, and they haven't won. Um, going with the trades, I haven't really followed the trades that closely. Um, every team tinkers. Any trade is a, is a gamble with a combination of players. Um, when it comes to you know that side of it, the free agency, I, I got to admit, I, I kind of, you know, I just think, okay, I hope these are the guys that are going to, get them out. and i don't want them just to win the first round people saying no it'd be great if yeah i was just going to say that they have I, to I don't want them to win the first round i don't want them just to win the second round no i, I think they have to make at least go a little bit further significantly i want them to win the whole damn thing i'm sorry i want them to win the cup i've been waiting when i i was five years old when the last time they won the stanley cup i am now 60 okay <laughs> you know i'm getting to the point where I've seen Philadelphia win the cup, Montreal won the cup, Edmonton's won the cup, teams like um, Tampa Bay. When I was growing up, there was no such thing as Tampa Bay or Carolina or the Florida, where are they, the Panthers? And oh, the Panthers, yeah. And, and um, the Mighty Ducks, Anaheim, 
they won the cup. The Los Angeles Kings have won the cup. Teams that when I started watching the NHL weren't even in the league. Um, Dallas has won the Stanley Cup. All these great hockey traditional towns, which they are not, have won the cup. Um, who else has won the cup? That the Colorado Rockies. Um, I remember. I remember the Avalanche. See, I remember them as the Rockies. See, I'm, uh-oh, Avalanche. Um, <laughs> Minnesota has won the Stanley Cup. Teams, oh, yes. Yeah, the Wild, yeah. Yeah, these teams have won Stanley Cups. And when I was watching the NHL in the late 60s and the 70s, they weren't even in the league. And here, Toronto Maple Leaf, with a strong fan base, um, strong Television marketing, probably one of the richest NHL clubs in the NHL, if not the richest, one of the top two or three, I would think. And yet, they have not won the Stanley Cup. New Jersey Devils has won the Cup. The New York Rangers have won the Cup. Detroit has won the Cup. You know, it's like, who hasn't won the Cup? Well, the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, um, Yes, I'm a bit bitter. I'm a I'm a, a bit of a bitter fan. So well, I, let's let's see if this year, and then you see if they, if they go a little further this year, you know, you, we'll we'll come back and we can have a, a chat about it on the show. I, I I I want them to win the first, second, third, fourth round, and when they win well, the let's fourth see round, how it goes. Yes, okay, Ali. Okay. Yeah, let let's see how it goes. Right, if they win. Yeah. Right then, and if you know what, no, but we will, we we will come back here as well, and um, you know we will we will have you back on the show as well. So how can people contact you, Nick? Um, I how can they contact? You know, if people want to ask me questions, I suppose if they want to know something about well uh, about the school, or I guess they can email me at nickrollins at rogers dot com. Um. I don't want to give out my cell number over public because I like to keep no, that. No, no, we, we will not share that, that on air. No, I'll email that to you later. But yeah, if anybody wants to ask me about blind sports, now before we go, Ontario Blind Sports Association doesn't just help W. Ross McDonald School athletes, they help athletes in Ontario, uh, whether they're ranging from five years old to six years old, 60 years old. And we had, uh, I, I, I used to run with a man named Mike Terrell. Um, I ran with him for about 15, 20 years. All the way, I started running with him when he was 55. And I think the last time I ran with him is when he was in the early 70s. Unfortunately, Mike Terrell passed away a number of years ago um, through cancer. But we there, there's sporting opportunities for any blind athletes out there, young or old. We I haven't been part of Ontario Blind Sports. I used to be part of the board, but we do goalball. Um, and they have a website. You would have to Google Ontario Blind Sports. Um, and they have a lot of information there about different sports, whether it's tandem cycling, goalball, um, track and field. Um, goalball is one of the, our biggest sports. Um, so if people want to know any more information, contact me, nickhollingsatrogers.com, or Google Ontario Blind Sports Association. And um, they all certainly, we got a very good organization in those people. That is awesome. And you can, you can find me at HTTP. I am your host, Ali Musa. You can find me at HTTP colon slash slash alitechgroup.wordpress.com. You can email me at atompodcast819 at gmail.com. Well, Nick, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you for taking the time to join me in the studio today. Well, uh, it's great to be here, Ali. Uh, I was looking forward to it. And I am your host, Ali Musa. And as I always remind everybody on the air here that it is not goodbye. It is until next time. Have a great week, everyone. Okay. Thank you, Ali. Bye for now.